Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, Koshi here. Before we get into this episode of The Call, I've got a favour to ask. The bigger the Ausbiz audience, the more we can invest in great content and keep providing quality investment ideas to you for free. If you could just take a minute of your time to leave a review of The Call in the Apple Podcast app, it'll help keep our tribe growing. And of course, don't forget to catch up with all the best interviews each day at osbiz.com.au. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the call. Good afternoon to you. It is the 27th of August, a Friday afternoon. I'm Nadine Blaney. Great to have you here with us for the call. 10 companies over an hour picked by you and two expert guests to analyze those companies plus the stock of the day. And also a warm welcome to all of you joining us via Facebook, via Twitter and YouTube as well. We do this program every day between Monday and Friday. And it's also, in case anybody didn't know, available as podcast form if you'd like to catch up with it after the fact. <clears throat> Excuse me, let me introduce my guests today. It's gonna to be a good one. Uh, because they both come at the markets from a different perspective, generally speaking, but they're both crazy about ASX listed companies. We have joining us Junbei Liu from Tribeca Investment Partners and also Carl Capwalinga from Think Markets, who's joining us live from Perth. Good afternoon to both of you. Today, Junbei, we find ourselves pretty much at the end of reporting season. What do you think? Oh, I was just thinking, phew, finally, I will come towards the end of it. This is probably the first reporting season I've gone through that we are working from home. And uh, for me, it was homeschooling my kids at the same time. So it's been thrilling <laughs> and it be, it's been great fun. And uh, look, you know, I think all in all, the reporting season um, has been pretty good. Uh, more companies met their expectations than miss. Um, and uh, although we have a few companies talk to high cost and investments and the like, but that's good for future growth. So all in all, good reporting season with lots of income, a lot of special dividend buyback uh, coming from corporate Australia. So, you know, it's been a healthy uh, reporting season. Healthy, that's a good word to describe it. Now, Carl, I'll look forward with you because of course, it's all about what comes next and plenty of people already turning their minds to what could potentially be the next catalyst for this local market. Um, how has the index performed through reporting season and how does the momentum look from here? Yes, uh, good afternoon, Nadine. Look, the index has taken a, a little bit of a, you know, a pause, a little bit of a breather over the last uh, couple of weeks. But I think that's mainly to do with external factors. So probably not as much to do with earnings season, but more to do with what's going on in America with um, the Fed and the tapering and uh, and just a general probably switch to risk off uh, on the back of what's going on in China with commodity prices as well um, as falling Australian dollars. So a few, a few things external to earnings season, but um, earnings season on the whole, I think was fairly supportive of the index. I think uh, what's going to be supportive going going forward, you asked me that question, well, what's going to be the next catalyst is, well, 
Uh, we saw this big special dividend by West Farmers today. We saw a number of special dividends uh, throughout uh, the earnings season and some buybacks as well. So if you put those two, two things together, the first part of the dividends is the ex-dividend date where the stock prices are going to fall. I mean, that's inevitable and that's going to take index points out. But as those dividend checks start to hit bank accounts in a couple of weeks from now, that money will have to be reinvested back in the market. And I say have to because there's not a lot else you can do with it right now. So we're not going on overseas holidays. We've probably already upgraded our big screen TV and we're certainly not going to leave that money in the bank earning next to nothing in interest. So uh, by my calculations, around about $50 billion, maybe a little bit more now with this West Farmers special, is going to be uh, hitting those bank accounts pretty soon. That's got to be reinvested back in. That's about the market cap of Woolworths trying to get into a market which is already you know, experiencing limited supply uh, at mm -hmm. the moment. So I think there's definitely some some upside coming from there. And then the buybacks, that's just underlying bid tone to a lot of our, our big blue chip shares as well. So I think, I think, you know, it's still positive to come. Okay, yeah, just reading some analysis in terms of the US reporting season, which did demonstrate a lot of the same characteristics as our own, saying that the uptrend remains intact as profits justify the buy the dip mentality that is out there. Now, Carl, I will start with you on the stock of the day. Koshi's had a bit of a big cap theme going this week. So who am I to change it up on a Friday? I thought we'd look at West Farmers off the back of the result that you did reference there. So a 16% sure. spike in annual profit to $2.4 billion revenue surging. On the lockdown though, impacting group sales, and they're already seeing that in the first little bit of FY22. And uh, last I checked, so this is at, uh, you know, just past the noon hour here in Sydney, West Farmers down by 3%. So Carl, you're a Perth boy, why well, I'm starting with you. The market is choosing, at least right now, to focus on what's to come, not what's yeah. past, correct? What did you make of the yeah, result and where to from here for West Farmers? Yeah, de definitely. So look, a, a great result, a solid result, and, and the sort of result we've, we've come to expect from West Farmers with this sort of conglomerate model where they've got uh, all these different pieces of the puzzle all working together to deliver them, um, you know, great numbers. And that is a, a, obviously a, a reflection on management's ability to, to pull that off. And that, that's very impressive. So, you know, you're definitely um, paying for paying for quality here and, and sort of sleep at night factor. But unfortunately, having put all of those wonderful things um, on the board, we then have to look forward and, uh, you know, half of half of uh, their, their Stores are closed. Basically, if you're looking at Kmart, Officeworks, um, Bunnings, oh, I guess Bunnings is still open, of course, isn't it? Uh, essential services, but um, you know that's going to that's going to take a chunk out. And uh, you know when we first came into these lockdowns, there was great hope that it would be a, a, few, a few weeks or a week, <laughs> maybe some optimists were thinking. Now we're a few months. We're, we're going to knock out. Um, you know, the first quarter uh, for, for for the most part, uh, certainly in New South Wales. So it's going to have an impact on the bottom line. They're not making it up. Um, you know, we, we're not seeing that huge surge in home renovations that we saw, you know, at the start of the pandemic back in 2020 from Bunnings. We're not seeing this huge um, switch to uh, work from home uh, that's helping Officeworks and Kmart to some extent because we've done all of those things already. Um, we're not seeing this big switch to online sales that's, that's helping catch. Uh, so yes, unfortunately, markets uh, look forward uh, for, for for West Farmers, and that's um, that's why the share price is pulling back. It's pulling back from a point where you know the shares weren't exactly cheap uh, anyway. Mm -hmm. But look, uh, having said that, I, I think if you've got it, I think you should hold it. The chart looks really, really, really strong. Um, you know, there's always ebbs and flows in any trend. It's it's a wonderful long-term uptrend. 
it's pulling back short, but don't panic. I think there's going to be lots of support around that sort of 59 to 60 level. And uh, by my valuation, anyway, we've got a sort of a fair value target around that $63 mark. So I think you're starting to get some value back in it there. And it would be a buy in, in that zone uh, for a longer term portfolio holder. Well, Jimbe, that's what I was going to ask you, because uh, most talk to the quality aspect of West Farmers, the diversification. I mean, it's primarily Bunnings and the retail uh, arm, but there is some diversification in there. So on a pullback such as we're seeing today, could it be a buy? Look, um, there's no denial that uh, West Farmer has the best retailer. You know, Budding is probably one of the best retailer around the world. It's done incredibly well. But don't forget, it is mature. So, you know, um, you know, today the pullback we're seeing in West Farmers, um, if you look at the over the 12 month or 18 month when we had the whole COVID disruption, um, it's not much of a pullback at all. Um, you know, the, the in today's market, that people are paying a lot for so-called quality companies. And uh, but at what price? You know, um, but uh, West Farmers at this point is trading on the forward earning of um, close to 35 times. Now, um, traditionally, it trades about 20 and add a premium to the market now to 30, close to 35 times. And it's earning in the next couple of years are going to fall simply because they were the big beneficiary of the government uh, stimulus towards consumer, towards uh, um, you know the home builders. So there was a lot of uh, construction, home construction activity that boosted the Bunnings earnings. Now, um, you know, so these earnings are going to fall and you're paying a big multiple um, on what is a peak earnings. So, you know, so to me, um, I think in the next 12 months, there's a the capital is better allocated elsewhere. You know, there's a lot of blue chip quality business that earning has been impacted by COVID, such as Ramsey, and um, and then it's on 24 times when you know all the other healthcare businesses trading on 40. So you know, so I think this is a market that you you see a lot of quality business. You do need to take a longer term view um, and uh, and then work out what is the right value for this business. So for West Farmers, my view is that. Um, you know, it's probably not going to do all that much in terms of share price and your capital is better allocated elsewhere. So that's a sell then, Jumbe. Best is... Uh... I will put, that, that's a sell for me and put into the company like Ramsey. Okay, that's a bonus buy, people. I will tell you that, <laughs> Ramsey Healthcare, in the wake of its results this week, Jumbe, no doubt has just run the numbers, so there you go. And just as a PS, we'll be speaking with Rob Scott, so we'll find out where to from here. Huge comps, they're cycling through. Where's the growth going to come from next? That's from 3.30 Eastern right here on Ausbiz. Let's get to the companies that have been picked by our, our viewers, shall we, guys? And I will start with you with this next one, Jumbe, because you just mentioned the healthcare space, ResMed. So Charlie has written in and saying, look, I'd like an expert opinion on why it's worth 285 US in the States, because of course, we've got a listing for ResMed in the US where it's uh, $39 around about there here. Big difference in price. Jumbe, you can address that and then we can talk about ResMed as an investment. Of course, look, the differential is that the U.S. is just a piece of the Australian business and there's currency involved um, and there's number of uh, shares that are linked to Australian shares. So um, it, it work out to be very close to parity um, if you adjust it for currency and number of other issues. So, um, you know, if it works for you, you can buy in the U.S. or buy in Australia. The, the, the price differential is very minimal. Now, uh, I hope it's not my bird in the background. And... Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> and uh, now, in terms of the investment itself, um, you know, Resume is a very high quality business, and uh, you know, it has done well throughout the pandemic. Its competitor, um, uh, Philips, actually had a product recall. Now, uh, Resume and Philips pretty much, you know, dominate a very big part of the market um, in globally and the US as well. Um, and when Philips recalled their product, now Resume's uh, product pretty much couldn't keep up with the demand to fill up that, you know, that gap. Now, share, uh, share price has pretty much put up, um, you know, significant amount of value um, on the back of the competitive product recall. Now, this recall is not going to, um, you know, come back or, you know, Philips is not going to be able to refill all these products for another perhaps six to 12 months. So, you know, there's a bit of time to run. However, um, just remember, billions of dollars has been put on the market cap for Resume. While it's a really high quality business, um, you know, it's, whether they can keep some of those market share over the long run is going to um, going to take time to work out. So meanwhile, um, I think Resume is a hold for me. But my view is that it is over 40 times earnings in the next 12 months. Um, you know, other places in healthcare, we talked to Ramsey is, uh, you know, it's cheap and it's reopening. And even CSL is looking more interesting as well uh, at this point. So for over 40 times, um, it's more of a hold for me than a buy. It's a bit XC. And is that how you would view ResMed as well, Carl? Uh, no, well, not necessarily. No, I mean, I mean, there's certainly the chart has taken off. Uh, Shumbo mentioned that uh, that was on the back of the Phillips recall. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, markets, uh, again, markets look forward and, and they, they make those adjustments. Uh, but you, you have to understand that the markets probably made the adjustment as well. So um, then they have to prove it. We have, you know, some some uh, brokers are saying, well, they get it's a 5% permanent market share. Well, prove it. We, we need time needs to pass to to, to, to see that come to fruition. Uh, but, you know, typically stocks at the bottom left, top right, that's that's where I, I do most of my business and uh, that's what I like to buy. And um, you could argue that, uh, yeah, stock, the stock has moved, but you would have to also argue that uh, the people who are buying, they're still buying today. I mean, <laughs> they're buying today not because they think the stock's going to be worse in 12 months' time. They're buying today because the stock's going to be better. At the same time, the only way you get a chart that's bottom left, top right is if very people very few people want to sell. So it's, it's a double-edged sword here. Yes, people are buying. We know that the chart's going up. But at the same time, very few people are selling. How do you know? Well, the chart's going up and the people who want to buy have to pay more and more. So the reason why people aren't selling is the same same reason why people are buying. They think the price is going to be higher in 12 months' time. And I'm happy to back it on that basis. We've Look, yes, it's it's trading at about 40-something times innings. I can't remember. I have to check my notes. But there's, there's going to be um, some good growth in the business, sort of mid-teens um, to high-teens. And that you know, brings that PE down over the next few years. Um, I can't say whether it's a better buy or worse buy than some of the other healthcare sector, uh, healthcare stocks. I'm look, looking at the stock on on the basis of ResMed and the 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 the, the opportunity that it presents now. Um, I would love to buy pullbacks on on this one. I think you're probably going to get those opportunities. I think it might be around that sort of um, you know 37, 38 mark. Uh, but we're we're thinking that it could get into the mid 40s uh, on the back of um, the, the you know these recent developments. So it's a hold if you've got it, and it's a buy and pullbacks if you don't. Got it. Thank you. That's ResMed for Charlie. For Sarab, the next company on the list is Zipco. It was a big week for earnings coming from the buy now pay later space. Zip and Afterpay, and Sarab says. He's intrigued by Zip. Is there any point getting into it following the recent results and also the Afterpay news, which I'm assuming he's referring to Square's big buyout of Afterpay? 
is it just game over for these small players? And that's what a lot of people are questioning. Is there enough room for all of these buy now, pay later sp um, plays in the U.S.? June Bay, is Zip itself a potential takeover target? Oh, look, they all take over targets. Um, I think um, it, what's interesting is that um, uh, Zip itself, it could be, um, simply because it, they uh, Zip together, you know, with Afterpay and the uh, Sezzles, they all have created, um, you know, enough of a platform and they move, have all moved incredibly fast to um, to have joint venture, to have capital partner, to have, you know, potential big platforms where they grow, can grow into. Now, Afterpay obviously has moved very fast and captured a lot of market. Um, and uh, now that with this uh, Square opportunity, certainly take them to the next level because Square has, you know, millions of merchant accounts and things that Afterpay can just bolt straight onto it. Um, and then also Afterpay offers a great opportunity for Square as well. Um, so uh, does that threat the growth of the likes of Zip? and the others? No, I don't think so. Um, but what it does show is that competition is picking up, uh, you need capital to grow. Um, so equity markets great, has been great for those businesses to raise equities and to continue to expand and most of them have a lot of capital. But look, to thrive and to become the leader um, you know, in this space, ultimately you have to spend and grow rapidly. You cannot sit, sit back and trying to reap the margin or you know, trying to you know, grow your margin and things to cut the cost. That just will not work at this point um so you know so to me zip needs to move fast I need to continue to invest um to keep up um you know i still think zip, zip is a hold um you know where the, but the, it's all about how you capture the next stage of growth hold for june for zip um now carl plenty of action uh, from all of the buy now pay later space in the United States, Zip is looking to rebrand its quad pay business that it bought there to Zip. Some say that's a bit of a risky move because quad pay does have a brand already in existence in the US. You can talk to this company fundamentally or just via the charts. Do you think there's any reason to buy Zip? Not on the chart, no. I, you know, I think there's some reasons to consider on the fundamentals, ironically, but the chart is saying that regardless of what I think, um, you know, the, the, the market is quite nervous about this one. You know, you can see straight away on that chart, it's trading at the bottom end of the range over this uh, calendar year. And again, you know, the only way you can get down there is if there's you know, a, a lack of confidence um, in, in your future prospects. So we can debate as much as we like um, what we think about these companies. Uh, but it, at the end of the day, the market will decide whether we make money or lose money out of those opinions. And, uh, you know, you look at the the, the, peak, the price action. So in this, I'm talking about peaks and troughs, and we've seen consistently lower peaks. Um, we are seeing a consolidation zone around $7. But I always um, liken this sort of a chart to the, the bouncing ball. So if you, um, you know, get yourself a tennis ball and try and bounce it off the edge of a table, so it hits the table once, twice, and then misses... Uh, on that third go. And that's kind of what we're seeing here, where, where each bounce is getting lower and lower as gravity takes over. And the gravity here is just this this, this decreasing confidence uh, in the story going forward, which is potentially punctuated by this afterpay and uh, and square deal. So look, for me, I, I can't be a buyer. I think there, there's, there's a I think this is potentially a takeover target. I mean, not even potentially. I think this is kind of the most logical um, path forward for, for, for Zip now is to find a bigger partner to attach to. Um, I agree there's some risk with rebranding to quad pay 
Um, but look, I'll cut this long, long story short. I think Nadine is what you want me to do uh, and say that uh, if I if I had it, I'd be very, very nervous right now. Because if it, if it breaks through 650, I think yeah, there's, there's a bigger fall to come. If I didn't have it, no, I can't buy it. Would you sell it now? Um, I'm very close. If it breaks 650, I think you need to be out of it. Yep. Got it. Thank you. Now let's go on to number three on the list from our viewers. And this is Marley Spoon. Ticker code MMM. This is for Kai. Look, the report was headlined by 36% growth in revenue, uh, growing its subscribers, but it is spending big to get there. And it's uh, not looking to slow down that spending either. We did do an interview uh, with the Australian CEO of Marley Spoon. It's up on the website if anybody cares. Uh, Jumbe, look, it's another competitive space, isn't it? You know, you've got HelloFresh, you've got Marley Spoon. Uh, we were at home cooking a whole lot more. Do you think that these types of companies, particularly Marley Spoon, can continue that momentum uh, as potentially things return to normal post-pandemic? Jumbe. Yeah, look, that'll be interesting. Yeah, that, that, that's a really good question. Um, it's a very interesting concept and a really interesting space um, because these businesses essentially they're actually not competing with the takeaways and takeouts they're actually trying to grow or take share from uh, the supermarket um, you know fresh food space um, you know where they they actually pretty much repackaging the fresh food and then sell it to uh, with a recipe to individuals. So it's a very interesting concept. And I think, um, you know, innovation in that space is, uh, and given how fast they grow, growing, um, certainly has a space and future may look quite different from what it is today, but there's definitely a space. And, you know, Marley Spoon obviously has a link with uh, a Woolworth, which does show that the giant does believe there's a future in this sort of space. Now, the problem with this kind of, this business model is that a um, huge amount of consumer will try, um, but the thing is, there's also quite a big portion of people only try for a little bit and then they'll stop using. And once they stop using, they won't come back for a very long time. Um, only something like 20, 30 percent of people that initially tried will stay on for you know long period of time uh, and their bust might grow and things. So, so for this uh, business that they need to keep spending uh, to grow new consumer um, just simply because the churn has, is always going to be very high because you know people 80 percent of people will drop off. So um, yeah, so to get that return, we will have to to see um, how it goes after the um, you know COVID. Certainly, the um, you know every company that spend on those digital marketing and things have talked about increased expenditure, and this business is not any different. Uh, at the same time, it had a lot of you know COVID-related supply chain disruptions, lack of labor to deliver things. So you know there's been a lot of those challenges. So um, you know the, to sum it up, I think it's a little bit early for me. I think there's a future for this business, uh, but I have to observe to whether they can sustainably generate the return for dollar invested on marketing. So this isn't a void for now, but it's uh, one that you'll watch, Jumbei. Carl, what do I you think? I would call it void. Probably just watch it, watch it there and see. <laughs> just, just watch and see. Yeah. Yeah, got it. Carl, I think, I mean, I'm just one person, but I kind of agree with Jumbei's point. I know that even in our little office here, there's been phases where people sign up for these sort of programs and then they drop off and they've done it because they've got a referral code and get a bit of money back, yada, yada, yada. We all know the story. So if, we're, if we've got the fundamentals sort of laid out, if you see it dramatically different, let us know. Otherwise, what's the price action telling you? 
yeah, price action doesn't look good and reflecting perhaps a little bit of reality setting in for this one after, you know, a huge run through COVID or early pandemic times. Um, so, you know, all the gains came from April through to October when there was a whole heap of uncertainty and, and you know, potentially people extrapolated way too far into the future, the, the potential demand for this type of a concept. Um, I saw an interesting um, little statistic that they had in their recent results and it said, uh, Nadine, it said 40% of people uh, struggle uh, to create a meal plan for the week or, or, you know, something along those lines. And I read that and I thought, you know, well, that means 60% of the people have no problem at all. Uh, and that's probably <laughs> a little bit of a, a, a dilemma for, for a company like Marley Spoon. Um, and yeah, look, I mean, just talking to the to, to the price action, I should also say that, um, yeah, they've they, they pumped out a lot of discount vouchers over the last six months and that's... Um, their, their growth and uh, they increase their costs as well. But looking at the at the chart, it is, I think, at, at, a, at a very important um, crossroads now. So we, we had that huge run up uh, from COVID and it has effectively flattened out since then as, you know, sellers have come in to take those profits. But that selling, that extra supply in the market has not been overly uh, absorbed and, and met by demand, by true believers, by new true believers coming in and saying, you know what, this is on my radar and, and, and I think it's going further. Um, it got on a lot of people's radar, but not a lot of new, new money has come in since then. It, it looks like it's breaking down. And when I say that, it, the long-term trend is now turning from an uptrend to a downtrend. It's broken below uh, some key support levels. And in, instead of getting back above them quickly, it's actually resisting beneath them. So it's trying to get above and it's getting pushed back down each time. I'm very concerned about it. There is a little bit of a hope around about that 180 level. And if it stays above that and you're a holder, you, you, you can you know, maintain that hope if it gets below 180 then i think it's going to fall a long way so it's definitely not a buy for me it's not quite a sell yet but uh, below 180 it will be thank you carl all right next on the list is service stream ssm this brings us back to reporting season well have we ever really left it so far not really underlying earnings from operations at 80 million dollars in line with what was pre-guided to the market no dividend because of course it's bought this non-core services business from Lendlease. So now it is diversified across utilities, telcos, transport, June Bay. Do you know the company? Do you like the company? Uh, look, I, I know the company and I, I, I don't like it that much. Um, I, uh, I, I will probably say it's a void for me. Um, it's mainly because, look, it's just a little contractor. Um, it's not just. It, it's a contractor that helped installing uh, lots of different things. And now over the last few years, it has made good money out of um, a lot of NBN rollouts. Um, so, you know, pretty good margin and things. Um, now, but the challenge with contractor is that, you know, one is N NBN is sort of rolling out um, you, you need to new to have new segments uh, to grow those earnings um, because you know contractors you don't have the contract you don't have any revenue um, so um, so it was actually it's a right strategic thing to do for them to buy the lend lease services now whether they can integrate it properly um, it seems like a good fit but we're not sure you know we need to see how they integrate it whether it can really drive growth and things but it certainly help alleviate some of the concern for um, you know for for the earnings call that's coming up in the next few years. Um, so it's not expensive. It's less than 10 times, it's nine times. Um, and uh, the result itself is not flash. Um, so, you know, for me, I do have a preference for quality business that have a franchise that has consistent business, you know, earnings growth. And, you know, this business just doesn't kind of sit there. Got it. Now, I'm not a charts expert by any stretch of the imagination, Carl, but when we had them up on screen, I wasn't overly impressed. You? 
No, no, not at all. We saw that big drop. Uh, there was a big drop late last year, and that's when they lost uh, some major, major contracts, as in it was, you know, 30% of their, their revenues. Um, yeah, so from, I think it might have been Telstra, but don't quote me because it's, uh, it's six months ago now, and look, they haven't really recovered. So Jumbo's right. We, we want to buy, typically we want to buy companies that are growing their earnings and growing their earnings consistently, or at the very least, we can see those earnings uh, going to grow into the future. Uh, look, past is the past. I, I think they're probably going to steady the ship. I think there is some going to be some growth in the business. I do like this Lendley Services acquisition, although they didn't exactly get it at a bargain, but it, I think it makes a lot of sense. And there's a lot of demand out there for infrastructure type assets. We know, um, you know, these big pension funds are falling over themselves to buy these assets. Well, you, you need somebody to service these assets, and that's where ServiceStream comes in. So they, look, there's, there's definitely a case for it, but I can't get past the chart. Um, the valuation is okay, but not knocking my socks off. I think I've got a fair value target of about 91 cents, which gives it about 6% upside. And with that um, chart, you know, still top uh, top left, bottom right, which is the opposite of what I like to say. I have, I have to avoid this one as well. Ian, that's for you. Service stream, SSM is the ticker code. Don't forget that this is not for your personal circumstances. This isn't financial advice. This is information only, and you still do need to consider your own circumstances. Uh, Halfway, almost, we've got Phil, Spirit Technology Solutions, ST1. Again, I spoke with the CEO this week. This is a telco, essentially, services provider as well, and it is profitable. So it's moved from consecutive years of losses into profitability into FY21. Uh, a lot of its customers are sort of non-discretionary health education. They've recently done an acquisition late last year to get into cybersecurity, so they'll be able to provide their customers with some cybersecurity protection. And some out there say that it's a takeover target to boot. Uh, June Bay, what do you think of Spirit Technology Solutions? Yeah, look, I must say I'm not too close with the business, but I had a look at the, um, you know, what what it does and things. Um, it, it certainly um, seems it seems like a pretty stable business in a um, you know heavily uh, M and A um, sort of driven sort of market. So it may well become a target, um, and uh, simply because market is really consolidating in that space, um, it's not expensive. It's on something like fourteen times, so you know it sounds reasonably cheap. Look, and also it does have a little bit of reopening play to to the story um, because the East Coast SME and SMBs has been sort of impacted. Um, you know, because of the disruption. So um, that potentially have a lot more, um, you know, earnings growth to come through. Um, you know, I would still avoid at this point. Um, simply, you know, I see this business doing okay, um, but nothing really, um, you know, that's significant to um, to really drive me to, you know, put capital in there. Um, you know, they the, the acquisition they made potentially could do quite well. We certainly have to wait for more, um, time to see the execution and things like that. So um, I, I'm probably staying on the sideline for this one. On the sidelines, Carl, Spirit Technology Solutions. Um, to Junbei's point, it has made a lot of acquisitions. It has been integrating them into the business. Do you know the company? Yeah, look, it's a very dynamic company and they're very active, aren't they, in, in terms of gobbling up smaller companies, integrating them uh, within the broader spectrum. And the goal has been for a number of years to provide this this sort of holistic approach to your your telecommunications and IT needs. So you mentioned uh, cybersecurity. That was their most recent acquisition. It's a pretty uh, important piece of the puzzle. And it does now give them this sort of one-stop shop uh, sort of um, 
benefit now for for small to medium uh, enterprises, but they're looking to scale that up as well. So look, I, I like it. Fantastic growth coming through the business, and I can't see any reason why that's not going to continue. Uh, it, it does make money, which is so unusual for some of these mm-hmm. small technology plays on the ASX. It's cash flow positive. Those cash flows are increasing. Um, I, it's got a PE. I can value it. I think it's, you know, I think it look, I think it's, this, this this looks really, really exciting. Um, I've got, I, I did my, my valuation on it. I've got, I came up with 68 cents per share, which, um, you know, it, the, the company's less less than half of that at the moment. So um, either this is the biggest bargain of the century, or I'm completely wrong on this one. And hey, only time will tell. Now, a couple of points that I'll make on this uh, for you. Now, there are a bunch of a uh, bunch of shares in escrow that have come out and are coming out. And that could explain why, uh, despite you know, me thinking this is fantastic, there is still some overhang on the share price. So to the order of magnitude of about 30 million shares, yes, 29 million shares that came out on July 1. And if you look at the chart from July 1, it's been heading down. We've got another um, 8 million shares coming out on September 1 as well. And these, these are, when you make all those acquisitions, Nadine, you, you typically like to do it with a little bit of cash, but mainly a lot of stock. All right. Mm-hmm. And the founders in those businesses, you might say, well, if, if this company is so great, why are these people selling? Uh, surely they would hang on. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. See, they got into their businesses at, at a much, much better price. Uh, so you're relatively speaking, they might be in from three cents a share. So for th- at 30 cents a share, it's a no brainer there for them to sell some, uh, pay off some debts, um, you know, pay off the mortgage, uh, buy a new house, buy a BMW, whatever it might be. So I wouldn't panic too much on that. Um, I, I, look, as, as much as I like it, um, and this is where the rules come into it, as much as I think this is a bargain, the chart says you have to wait. And I'll give you some points here to watch because I'll be watching this one very, very closely going forward. I, I think we're getting pretty close. Around that 25 cent level, there was a nice bounce uh, just at the end of June. If we can get another bounce from there, and if it can then move back above about 33 cents, that's when I think you jump into it. Until then, you don't have to do anything. Just be like me and, and just watch. And you might say, hey, Carl, why would I wait until it gets to 33 to buy if it's now if it's going to get to 25? And I say you, you need to do that because you need to be sure that all of that selling overhang is out of the market and that there's enough demand to take it up to the next level. So that's that's the way I would play this one. Rule books. All right, Phil, hope that helped you. Um, yeah, and if you'd like to listen to the interview with the CEO again, it's up online. Look, we've reached the halfway mark. We're doing pretty well, I think, for time. Guys, let's summarize the first five stocks plus the stock of the day. Stock of the day, West Farmers. Uh, look, Jumbe says that it's a sell, and she's given you an idea if you'd like to redeploy the capital for larger gains going forward. Of course, it's a quality company, but she says it's not cheap on forward earnings of about 35 times. So it's a sell and put your money potentially into Ramsey Healthcare. It is a buy for Carl, though, because he says that it looks as if, according to him, uh, that it will, oh, sorry, it's a buy if it's between 59 to 66. It's a hold if you've got it. It's a wonderfully long-term uptrend for West Farmers. ResMed was the first company on the list. It is a buy on a pullback for Carl between 37 and $38. It's the kind of chart he loves, bottom left, top right, that hockey stick pattern. It's a hold for June Bay. Again, it's pretty expensive on forward times earning, quality business, uh, but uh, can it keep the market share? She again is pointing to Ramsey and potentially even CSL looking pretty good right now. Zip is the next on the list. It's a hold from both of my guests. Uh, Carl wouldn't be buying it on the chart. It is showing decreasing confidence. 
Uh, look, Jume just says to continue to grow, it needs to spend to grow rapidly. And that's just something you need to keep in mind in terms of these buy now, pay later companies and the consolidation that's still likely to happen. Marley Spoon, look, it is a watch and wait for Jumbe. It's got its challenges. And again, the business needs to keep spending to continue to grow and maintain its subscriber base. Uh, uh, Carl says that the price action is not looking very good. And so, um, yeah, he's not liking this one as a buy. Now, Service Stream, uh, Look, he says that it looks as if the company is looking to steady the ship, but Carl says he just can't get past the chart. And it's an avoid for Jumbei as well. She doesn't like it that much. It's not expensive, but she wants to see the integration of this buy from Lendlease before she would consider taking a deeper dive into the company. Spirit Technology Solutions, uh, Jumbei would like to just avoid this one for now. It looks like a stable business, not expensive. Uh, but she wants to see how the execution of these businesses can continue. Carl, I saw a smile on his face when I was introducing the company. He genuinely likes it, it's making money, he thinks it's really exciting, but he's laid out the confines as to when you should buy in. You just heard them, so it's a wait for Carl right now, but he, he kind of likes it. I really got that feeling. All right, we've got our own portfolio on the call. We've been tracking it since July 1st of last year, thanks to our partner, Nab Trade. So when two companies get a two thumbs up from our guests, has not happened today, as you know, it gets put into the portfolio. And uh, let's check in on how we've been performing. So weekly, we're up around 1.6% on the month, up over 3.5%. Year to date, just under 4.5%. But since its inception, the call portfolio is up 41%. And both of our guests have contributed to this call portfolio. I will say that, Junbei Lu from Tribeca Investment Partners and Carl Kapolingo from Think Market. Some of the companies we've added lately, ReadyTech, Unity Group, Beacon Lighting, Macquarie Telecom, and MSL Solutions. Out of the portfolio lately, Flight Center, Vanguard Global Value Equity, Active ETF, Western Areas, and Jensen Education. Ah, oh, interesting. If you'd like to see what's in, what's out, you can go to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. And just a reminder, we'd love it if you could tell your friends about us and to help you along that line. We've got a bit of a prize pool in action. The details you can find via the T and C's on the COB newsletter. And if you don't subscribe already, you can subscribe at osbiz.co forward slash join. Back to the list. My guests have had a bit of a break. I'm going to start with you on this one, Carl, just to switch things up a bit. This is a question on Grange Resources from Annette, who says, look, she's been looking at the half yearly result. She says the dividend yield is nearly 8% fully franked, but the share valuation is less than three times earning multiple. Why is this iron ore mm -hmm. pellet producer so undervalued or unappreciated in the market compared to other iron ore producers, Carl? Yeah, look, what a great um, question from Annette. And I'm, I'm so glad that I get to participate in, in answering this one because it helps me make some, some really uh, pertinent points for investors. So we heard earlier on about West Farmers and it was trading at, um, you know, about 30 times earnings. And yet we've got Grange here trading at uh, about, I've got a trading at just under two times earnings. So how, how is that possible? How can West Farmers be trading at 30 times earnings and yet Grange at, at two times earnings? If, um, you know, uh, Grange has a dividend yield of around about 7%. West Farmers has a dividend yield of around about 3%, both fully frank. So it just 
kind of just doesn't make any sense, does it? But I think you have to compare like for like here. So, you know, Grange is an iron ore miner. So first of all, let's not just consider a two times earnings per share, um, sorry, two times multiple. Let's consider against other iron ore miners, okay? So let's not consider it against the rest of the market. I don't think that's the right way to do it. And if we do that against, say, Fortescue, for example, Fortescue's trading on around about four and a half times um, this current year's earnings. So now it starts to make a little bit more sense straight away. We're not in the 30s or ever going to be in the 40s. It's just not where this is going to be. And, of course, then you have to consider, well, you know, markets look forward, not backwards. So markets are saying, well, is the iron ore price going to stay where it is uh, for the foreseeable future. And I think most analysts, including myself, would agree that it's not going to be around $200 per tonne next year or the year after or the year after that. It's probably going to be closer to $100 a tonne or maybe $120. And, and that's what markets are factoring in down the track. So yes, it might be two times this year's earnings, but it might be five or eight times or 10 times earnings in say FY23 and FY24. And investors, portfolio managers are looking that far down the track. And so you have to take that into account as well. So the question is, I think more about, um, should it trade on two times earnings in absolute terms, or should it be about two times earnings compared to Fortescue's 4.5 times earnings? And there are a number of reasons why it should be uh, not as attractive uh, as Fortescue. So it is a bit of a one trick pony. It's got a single mine in Tasmania. Um, there are a number of oper operational issues around that mine. Um, it's, it's an ageing mine. It's got a lot of uh, infrastructure and a cost associated with it. And they're a very, very high cost producer compared to, say, Fortescue, which is a very low cost producer. So, I, look, I actually think it's priced correctly. Having said that, I still think iron stocks are cheap in general. And this one can do very, very well. Last time I was on the call, uh, the stock was 30 cents. I called it a buy. It went to 90. It's back to 60. What do you do with it? I think that's where you go from here. I think on a valuation, basis i'm happy to hold on a chart basis it's it is looking a little bit shaky so I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit nervous there but i do think there's this a huge area of support around this sort of 55 to 60 zone and i'm a holder on the basis that that zone will hold but i can't be a buy yet until i see it actually hold so that's it where is I'm at a hold branch. thanks for that carl yep. Jimbei, do you have anything to add? I would be interested to get your view on iron ore miners now iron ore price i was surprised to hear Carl said that some of them are undervalued. Yeah, look, um, iron ore has come off quite a lot. Um, you know, we, we, we're not talking about, well, obviously our iron ore prices went to $220, but they crashed down very quickly to the 150 and even going lower. So, you know, just on the base, basis of um, potentially a little bit slower growth and China sort of slowed down somewhat. Um, you know, so all of that together, um, it certainly means that iron ore miners share prices come off a lot. So, you know, with this little one, um, you know, it's on a good dividend yield, but look at forces skew. Forces is on a dividend yield of uh, close to 20%. Um, and even just this final dividend, you gross up the franking credit, it's 17%. Um, and they haven't paid it yet. So if you want dividend, you can get it. <laughs> but, uh, you know, but I think, you know, I'm constructive on iron ore uh, miners. I think China will gradually, um, uh, they started already stimulating the economy. So normally, generally, the experience is that once they start stimulating the economy, we will see good growth coming through for a lot of those commodities in the next six months. And they all of the commodity names has been sold off aggressively in the, during this reporting season. So we see good a good entry uh, a good entry point into that space. Much rather to be staying with the bigger ones that are paying out big cash flow rather than the little one. Um, the small ones. The problem with those ones is that one is operationally uh, mine quality and all of that. Two is that it's highly leveraged. This little company used to make uh, lose money uh, just a few years ago uh, when iron ore prices struggled. So you know they highly leveraged. So they can move from 
income lots of earnings into zero and negative so you kind of want to avoid that sort of um, business in the environment where you know it's a little bit choppy um, and stick with the big guys got it thank you so Grange resources for you Annette now the next company on the list is an interesting one this one's for Craig so amongst all of the tech names you know the BNPLs the Appins of the world the wise tech globals Good old Dicker data often gets overlooked. It's been around for a long time. It continues to make a lot of money, even in some pretty tough operating conditions. Uh, interim dividend of nine cents per share, total dividends nine and a half, 19 and a half cents a piece. What do you make of Dicker data? Jumbe, we'll start with you. Yeah, look, Dicker data, it actually looks quite interesting. You're right, it's been listed for a very long time. It's got a good exposure and um, you know, exposure is really um, the continuing uh, digitization of our economy, right? So uh, lots of parts of the industry are, you know, putting in more digital uh, devices, um, especially COVID has really speed up that process um, and moving things into, um, you know, cloud and the like. So uh, it is very high quality, has a very long track record of delivering growth um, and its return on capital is very high as well. So we do like this business. Um, you know, market cap has actually got to, you know, $1.2 billion um, and uh, recently made a, really good acquisition seems very uh, accretive. So yeah, so you know, we like this business. Um, it's a buy for us. It's a buy. That's an interesting one. And, and I think as well, Carl, throw in that it's still founder led and run. Um, what do you make of Dicker Data by the charts? Yeah, um, the chart uh, has taken a bit of a hit today on the back of funny, you mentioned the founder, David Dicker. So he has announced yesterday after the results came out, that he's going to sell another $42 million worth of shares. And um, he said, look, that's the only one for this year. Um, the rest of it is, is still in escrow. And it's uh, fully underwritten at fifteen forty a share. Um, that was below the share price um, post announcement. So the, you know, we've seen we've seen a pullback in the shares today. So viewers are wondering why it's down so much today. It's actually not to do with the the, the results. It's more to do uh, with David Dicker selling out. Um, <laughs> he so is that a red uh, flag for you, Carl? I mean, we always talk uh, about that being no, a red flag he's, look, he's, because he's been in it for a very long time. In fairness, yeah, look, he, he has. I mean, he's, he's obviously the founder of the business, and it is his 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 baby. But at, at the end of the day, you, you can't you know, the, the the business needs to survive and move on without you at some stage. And you know, you know, let's be realistic. Um, so yeah, and, and I think he deserves. He doesn't draw a salary, and so you've got to remember he's, he's he. This is quite unique for a CEO. He doesn't draw a salary. He's he's, he's he has to get the money uh, some other way. So look, I don't begrudge him doing this, but you know markets always get a bit nervous when when these events occur. So, um, but apart from that, now the chart uh, looks looks very very strong. Um, I'm just checking my notes here. It's one we've had a buy for a very long time. In fact, uh, just look at 20th of August was the fir our first buy on it. Um, it looked like tremendously fantastically amazing value there. I must admit now with the this, this, this stock roughly double that price, um, it's not looking as great value. Um, they have they had a huge uh, boom out of COVID, a major COVID winner, but we are just starting to see some of that uh, sales growth just starting to slow. I still think it's going to grow and I, and I still think it's a great solid business, um, but you know, I, I'm not as excited about it as I am here on a valuation basis. So I think the chart is telling you to hold, um, but with today's pullback, I need a little bit more information as to how the market responds to that before I could confidently say buy or buy a pullback at this stage. So it's definitely hold if you've got it and just let's see a little bit more price action from today's uh, announcement before you buy. I thought it was going yeah, to go in the portfolio. Yeah, go ahead, June. 
Junbei? Yeah, I think I'm <laughs> thinking of your daughter when you talk to me. That's a, a good sign. Um, so, um, look, I think it's um, uh, because last night the block trade um, of this uh, and the founder, right? So that normally dilutes with the return a little bit the next day. So uh, let's there's, there's a little bit to wash through. That that's kind of you know what the uh, what the price action is today. Good, got it. Number eight on the list, giving you guys a time call. One three hundred smiles. Potential change of control happening here, Carl. What do you make of it? Mm. Yeah, well, I guess I think we could do this one pretty quickly because uh, as far as I can tell, this looks like a, a done deal. So uh, we've got uh, Abana Healthcare Group, which is in theory a New Zealand uh, dental group, is looking to, to buy all of the non uh, founder shares. So about 84% of the business, the founders have agreed to retain the other 26% and, and stay with the business. Um, Abano itself is was was purchased um, late last year by, uh, by G, BGH Capital and the Ontario Teachers Pension Plan Board. Um, so they're, the, they're really the true, true owners. I can't see how this is not going to happen um, unless the, the mum and dad shareholders say we don't want it to. Uh, we had a fair value target about well, seven or eight percent higher than the eight dollars that's being bid. So mm -hmm. I think, given the certainty and the ability to go do something better, because let's face it, the stock wasn't doing a whole lot before that, and the chart was very, very flat. I think you would take it, and you'd go find something else better to do with the money. So um, it's definitely not a buy. But no, it's any a stretch hold of the imagination, um, it's a hold and let it play out. Yeah, Jumbei, do you agree? Yeah, I'm the same. I think, you know, the, it, it acts like more like a cash box. Your return sitting here is very, very little now. So you get to sell it and put it into something else. Got it. Uh, my sister contributes to the Ontario Teachers Pension Plans. It looks like ah. she just bought herself a little piece of a company. All right. Stock number nine on the list, Cromwell Property Group for Rob. Uh, it also reported this week a stat profit of $308 million. It's a fund. It's a REIT, essentially. What do you think, Carl? Yeah, it's a bit of an odd uh, rate. You're getting some uh, Italian assets, you're getting some Polish assets, you're getting some Australian assets. Um, they're looking to divest some of those Euro European assets. But ironically, that's probably where the, the growth is going to come from as, you know, the European economy rebounds. It's probably going to rebound quicker than anything that's going to happen over here with our current lockdowns. Uh, it's an interesting business. It's not expensive. You know, I've got it sort of a uh, fair value target of about $1.02, which gives it about 10 to 12% upside. Uh, it's got a net tangible asset backing of 102, 7% unfranked yield, which is, you know, even though it's unfranked, it's still a pretty good yield. Um, the chart is pretty much flatline stuck in the middle. Um, let me get to the point here. Look, I think if you had it and you're an income investor, and I always say you've got to find the right stocks for the right person. So if you're that income investor, you want stability, something that you know, you're not going to wake up tomorrow and it's half price, I, I think you would hold it. If you, I think if you're looking for a business that is growing its earnings and going to continue to do so at a great, and it's at a great price and with a great chart, this is probably not the one. Got it. Junbei, do you feel any more passion for Cromwell Property Group than Carl there? I try, but uh, it's very difficult. Um, <laughs> I think it's kind of it's one of those property trusts uh, that are kind of stuck in the middle at the moment. So you know, two reasons you buy property trust. One is that um, you know for the business that growing really well, like they have exposure to the industrial properties and the like. Uh, things like Goodman Group or Char um, or Charter Hall, those managers where the earnings growing and they're launching more fund, they're making more money, and there's a lot of growth. So you know that's one end of it, but they're super expensive. And the other end of why you would buy is that the super cheap 
stuff. You know, things like the shopping centers that's been uh, completely decimated in terms of earnings, and you know, or Unibail, the shopping center there in Europe and things. So you know, and they're very cheap. So these are the two reasons of why you want to be there. And this company somewhere in between, and uh, it's not exciting, not much growth, and it's not that cheap um, or cheaper, but it's not that cheap. So. Uh, it, yeah, it, I probably wouldn't put my money in there. Got it. Thank you. Now, Appen. We need to talk about Appen. This was a market darling, you know, not too long ago in the grand scheme of things. But boy, have the fortunes changed, particularly through the pandemic. This is Appen that I'm speaking of. Revenues down yesterday got hammered off the back of the result in June Bay. This isn't a downgrade cycle. Or do you see value in some way emerging if you believe fundamentally in the business and that they won't be wiped out by comp competition? Junbei. Yeah, look, uh, I think it's uh, it certainly is on the verge of uh, being called, um, you know, whether there's anything fundamental wrong with the business um, uh, because uh, it, it can't be just the COVID disruption. Uh, the company has downgraded many times. Actually, during COVID period, it was a big beneficiary. And uh, but when the earning comes, there was a lot of disappointment. And then the management has continuously downgraded over the last 12 months. Now, we thought this result because companies already downgraded before heading to this result. They still managed to come in and say that uh, the earnings guidance will continue to be the lower end and which is going to be very difficult to achieve uh, over the next six months because that simply means next six months needs to jump significantly in terms of growth. Um, so it's very difficult for them to achieve and, you know, for them to properly articulate, um, you know, how they're going to get back on track. Um, I think there is even a bit of, uh, you know, um, nervousness about the uh, CEO and CFO, just given, you know, amount of downgrade that's come through. Um, so, look, I would absolutely be avoiding this one at this point. Um, it has come off a lot, but we don't know. Um, you know, remember, this is a contractor for uh, the Googles and Facebook. So even though its earning is very linked to the um, cloud growth and things, but it is a contractor. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, remember, contractor means that um, the margins will be under pressure um, if you can't sustain stay uh, your level of expertise um, and you know Google and Facebook are spending less um, on this sort of services and they're automating a lot more so what does that mean is that means a tipping point for you know maybe they don't need that much service anymore the margin they will be under pressure so there's a lot of unanswered questions we need to see over the next six months but certainly avoid for now avoid from June Bay because Appen actually does have human beings behind it it's not some magical you know technology that takes everything off into the cloud and Facebook and the like have said they can probably do it well if not better they could probably do it in-house for cheaper so this is a top left bottom right chart even on our crude yeah. charts and to my untrained eye Carl or is there a price for everything uh, look yeah there is uh, I love that Nadine, I think I'm going to start a company called uh, Magical Technology that takes stuff to the cloud. <laughs> I reckon it would go. I reckon it would go gangbusters just between you and me in this day and age. Um, I'll put it on TikTok. Uh, now back to the serious stuff of of Appen, and yeah, I think there's there's a saying: is it uh, fool me once, shame on you; fool me twice, shame on me. Mm. And management has con 
through this downgrade cycle has continuously been overly optimistic about Appen's prospects and the market is continually disappointed when those results come out. And I think what we're seeing yesterday and today is, you know, I don't think the market's got any more patience uh, for, for, for management and, and their optimism. And, and even whilst, uh, you know, downgrading or narrowing um, their, their earnings guidance range to the bottom of that range, they're still saying, you know, we, we, it's second half, guys. It's all, it's all about the second half and then the revenue's coming. Um, and, and the market's just not believing it. And the, the problem with Appen, and I know there are a lot of people hold Appen because they bought it after the dip and it just keeps dipping. That's a faulty strategy. But for the people who are holding and wondering where this turnaround is going to come, it, it, the problem is that a lot of those big US tech companies, they're starting to do a lot of this themselves and they're pulling back from Appen. Now, Appen is making up, that up from their other markets, particularly in China and some you know other enterprises. So that's the good news. But this transition could take a couple of FYI. So yes, I think there's, there's, there's going to be a value proposition for this business soon, and I think there is value in the business. But I just think looking at that chart, the old, the other old saying is don't catch the falling knife. So it could, it could go. I'll give you a number where it could go. Um, this is frightening here. Um, it, it, this is a really important level. If it breaks this, the next level isn't down until six. Um, so I'm a little bit concerned. Ten dollars, big round number. If it gets below that, it, it's, it's very worrying. That is Appin for you, Scott. Not a happy tale. You guys, thank you so much uh, for all of your insights, for your time this afternoon. Um, it's always great to have you both with us. We very much appreciate it. June Lu from Tribeca Investment Partners and Carl Kapulinga from Think Markets. Thanks, Nadia. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. Thank you. Thank you. I will quickly, I know you just uh, heard it, but I'll just quickly sum that up for you. Six, it is a hold for Carl. It is an avoid for June Bay. She says stick with the big ones, the big boys in the iron ore space. It is a buy for Dicadata from June Bay. It is a hold for Carl, both though exercising a little bit of caution given the fact that we did see the founder and CEO sell a whole huge of a chunk. Now for one 300 smiles, just wait for this takeover to play out. In Carl's view, it's a sell for June Bay. Get your money, go someplace else. Cromwell Property Group couldn't get either of them very excited. Not bad, not good. It's a hold for both. And Appin, it's definitely an avoid. Uh, big problems there. You've just heard the two talk about it themselves. Listen, it's been great to have you along for the ride as well. Uh, if you would like us to cover a company for you, you can email us at the call at ausbiz.com.au or you can tweet to us however you want to get a hold of us we're usually available <laughs>